what's going on everyone and welcome to 2024 happy new year happy new year everyone We've made it, 2024, new year, bigger and brighter things for everyone ahead. I wish you all the best in your new years. And we hope to have a great year here in, in Total Pod Mode land as well, don't we, Will? Absolutely, man. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking about some of the things that we'll be getting up to in the new year, as well as taking a little bit of a reminiscing journey back through 2023. Yes, because that's what we've got coming up in this episode. That's right, we're going to be looking back at 2023. Some of the notable things that happened, some of the notable games that released. Maybe some nonsense that happened along the way. And then we're going to round out the episode with a review of the Games Challenge of this year. But before we get into all that, let's hit them socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv tv forward slash mr bames underscore tpm so no catch up for this special new year's episode we're launching straight into our review of 2023 strap yourselves in folks yep strap yourselves in indeed and as always as all years do we start in january (laughs) and uh january was notable because the playstation 5 which was originally released in november of 2020 finally had its shortage end in january according to jim ryan yeah, the bitch. Just a hair later than two years after the initial release, uh, that's a pretty considerable amount of time for one of the world's best-selling video game consoles. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, that damn COVID. Those damn scalpers. Yes, I think that those were probably two of the largest contributing factors towards the shortage. Yeah, those scalpers were a-holes, man. They made my PC late as well. Motherfuckers. <laughs> no forgiveness for that one. Um, and we did also have some games coming out in January. Compared to the year on the whole, there weren't really any like massively notable releases in this month. No, and if anything, you could probably say off to a little bit of a shaky start for the year. You could say that with the titles we've got here, because uh, Forspoken was January. Pretty much like uh, universally panned for uh, some dodgy writing. Not so great storytelling and uh, an annoying protagonist. So uh, yeah, it's kind of like a trifecta of fuckery there. <laughs> Not a good start to the year. And also the Dead Space remake, which didn't exactly release to a whole host of fanfare. Mostly due to its performance, I think, on PC at the time. I don't know if that's improved, to be fair. It may well have gotten better by now. You'd hope so. I was just about to mention, I have actually heard quite a few positive things about the game since its release. Uh, it definitely seems like it's found favour with the fans eventually. Well, that's good to hear. I didn't play either of these titles, so I can't really comment from personal experience, but not a great start to the year, critically at least. So we swiftly move out of January into February, and uh, there was actually one notable title for me at least that came out in February, and that was Hogwarts Legacy. It was a title that I pre-ordered, was looking forward to playing, uh, and I would say it probably didn't live up to quite the hype i wanted it to but it was a very good time and i did enjoy it and also in february we had some pretty big news where microsoft and nintendo entered into a historic 10-year agreement to make call of duty available on the switch with content parity to other consoles later clarified or some might say walked back by phil spencer where he said content parity would be 
wherever possible. I think it's walked back. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty clearly. Yeah, it might have been a, a bit of a optimistic statement uh, for February. Yeah, I remember we said at the time that it was kind of like parity. I respect the statement, but parity, really? I think my biggest uh, comment at the time was uh, just how are they going to make sort of a hundred player Warzone thing work on a Switch? It's just not going to happen. Hey, I'll happily eat my words. But uh, I think that we'll probably be playing a Call of Duty that resembles Battle Bit, I think, at that point. <laughs> From there, we move into March. Quite big news in March with the Elden Ring Shadows of the Ojo DLC being announced. March! That's almost a year ago. God, a long time ago, eh? And still we wait. <laughs> I was going to ask you how you've been finding it. <laughs> No, it's it's still very much cloud-based at this point. No one's got their hands on it. And if anything, I think this is the only real bit of tangible Shadow of the Erd Tree news that actually happened this year. The rest has been very much us speculating, praying, hoping, and waiting. Oh, no, we, we covered that guy the other week when he said that, it, yeah, it still exists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, That's we covered good to that. Know, that was yeah. news. <laughs> is that news, though, or was that us just scraping the bottom of the barrel? <laughs> we'll let you decide. <laughs> Oh dear. So no, we are still waiting for that. Um, but also in March, we actually had a couple of games come out, one of which I really loved and one of which you really loved. So this is actually quite appropriate. I am, of course, talking about Wolong Fallen Dynasty and Resident Evil 4 Remake. I'll start us off with Wo Long. I, I know that you've played it as well, but uh, not to the extent I have. Certainly not, no. I thoroughly enjoyed Wo Long uh, pretty much for the whole time I was playing it um, for the main campaign. I couldn't put it down, if I remember correctly. It was just great fun. I really enjoyed the way the combat works, the timing of it, the satisfaction of finally learning the rhythm and beating the bosses. It was great. And almost a year later, you're in fact still playing it thanks to the DLC recently released. And I would probably echo your sentiments there on Wolong. Um, as you rightly said, I definitely haven't played it or engaged with it for as much time as you have. However, I've only really got positive things to say about that game. Um, performance, you could say, is perhaps a little bit iffy on the PC. However, the game itself um, is, is pretty great. Yeah, and what I will say is the performance, I think, has actually gotten worse on the release of the DLCs. I don't quite know how. Certainly for me, that's how it seemed. Bursting at the seams with content has maybe destabilised it a bit. Potentially, yeah. And the final thing I'll say on Wolong is the DLCs overall have probably been disappointing but I enjoy Wolong so it was okay for me but I do feel the first two were cut content and the final one was the only one that was actually a DLC okay okay interesting and uh, just going back to Resident Evil 4, uh, very positive things to say about that. It was actually a game that I recently completed. And once again, uh, only really positive things to say about that. I think it was a, a truly masterful remake. Yes, and from what little I've seen of it, having not played any of it, it looks fantastic. And it looks like it's done all the right things to make it modernised, but kept true to the source material. 100%. From there, we head to April, and uh, this was actually a month where we had the BAFTA Game Awards. And uh, potentially a surprising winner, depending on how you feel about games, I suppose. But beating out God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring was Vampire Survivors. Absolutely, yeah. This is uh, this is one of my strong favourites of the year. You know, could even potentially be a competitor to one of the games of the year for me. And I remember at the time that uh, that you said that this was perhaps quite contentious. Um, you were surprised yourself that it had beaten it out. Now that you've actually had an opportunity to play hands-on, I wonder whether that opinion would have changed ever so slightly. I think you'd have probably had a bit more of a chance now to just see how much effort and love was clearly poured into this game. Has your opinion changed on that at all? Uh, firstly, I have to take your word that that was my opinion because I don't remember saying that. <laughs> right. I'm sure I did say it, I just don't remember saying it. And 
I would still say I'm surprised that it beats out something like Elden Ring, but I, c I can understand more now why it did. It's very fun, very addicting, and once you know what you're doing... Yeah, I mean, you can lose a whole host of hours in that game, so I can see it. Yeah, I think it's got a certain charm to it, with the knowledge that it was made by such a small team as well. I think all of these things kind of count towards it becoming uh, such a popular and beloved game that it is. And they're still releasing content for it, so they're looking after it. They are indeed. Uh, and April also bought us another couple of new games, neither of which I've played, but very, very contrasting fortunes to their receptions, I believe. I'm, of course, talking about Dead Island 2 and Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Do you think that uh, Jedi Survivor has a likely of you actually going on to play it at some point i know you were quite a fan of the original title I, I will play it at some point when the pc version is more stable right okay it's actually something i observed even playing the original title that i was having to drop my settings to surprisingly low to get a really stable 60 in terms of frame rate i just think that those games aren't particularly well optimized at all for the pc and they would have to do a lot of work behind the scenes maybe even what they would consider too much work to get it running uh, as smooth as what people would have liked to have seen yeah i mean i didn't have any problems with the first one but i know what you mean and dead island 2 was pretty well received as well at the time very well received in comparison yes yeah i think people were mostly commenting on the gore of the game the absolute attention to detail in terms of hacking chunks away from zombies uh it seemed like an all-round fun time however uh, as you correctly said there neither of us have actually played either of those games i might bend on that and actually give dead island 2 a go at some point in the future no rush though so May was off to a bit of a shaky start with dodgy releases by Bethesda. Uh, they released the Redfall title, which for all intents and purposes is kind of like a heavily Left 4 Dead inspired vampire hunting game. Uh, once again, uh, panned for its performance on the PC as well as its kind of quite bland, stale gameplay. Often compared with Left 4 Dead, you can actually see where a lot of the strengths of Left 4 Dead really stand out in that title, and they clearly hadn't taken inspiration from uh, some of the stronger points of that series. Uh, it sounds like it kind of fell flat on quite a few counts. Talking of falling flat on quite a few counts, uh, <laughs> that was followed by the release of The Lord of the Rings Gollum. Somehow outdoing them for being <laughs> Yes, yeah, somehow outdoing Redfall. I think this one is probably up there within the top one or two worst games of the year i think it's pretty much agreed i think that Gollum could well be that worst game of the year uh the only one that jumps out to me that could perhaps be worse is the walking dead destinies uh which again is just like a very rushed quickly produced and not very faithful to the source material game so uh i suppose that's kind of like a one thing that those two games have in common i've seen a lot of people refer to the lord of the rings Gollum as an orc slave simulator and uh i think that's a pretty good summary of the game you're basically just the lack for your captive orcs yeah I, i've not played it but from what i've seen you just sneak around and get caught a lot because the game breaks in various ways and some very bland and dodgy looking platforming as well uh which is actually weirdly one of the areas of focus for the game you wouldn't think so no no seen. no no i've actually heard uh, since then that the environments were apparently designed uh way too large and when it came to actually producing the game they didn't really know what to do about that so they just put it out there. Well, who can be surprised at how badly it's done then? Thankfully, May ended on a high note following the release of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, uh, which once again was was pretty uh, universally praised. A lot of people thought it was going to be in the competition for Game of the Year and, uh, and a game that I am still playing to this day, although very sporadically. Yeah, I thought this one was going to win Game of the Year. I, I called it and got it wrong. I've not played it myself, but 
Will's played it and uh, and I've got other friends that have played it and said very very good things about it the fusion mechanic looks really fun and interesting and some of the ways that you were saying you could complete levels sounded pretty cool absolutely the god hand ability is almost something that they've actually brought back uh, in the form of Lego Fortnite as well the collaboration there a lot of the footage I'm seeing it looks very comparable to things that you're able to achieve on Tears of the Kingdom there's a lot of special blocks that you can piece together that will have special properties like blocks that will act as thrusters or jet boosters that will enable you to build things like monorails and stuff like that. I, I really hope that uh, there is a bit of a developing market for these type of block building games that allow you to play around with them in a sandbox environment. Really big fan. Maybe look out for that in coming years. And speaking of things to look out for in the coming years, we also had in May a 4chan user claiming to have information on a newly leaked FromSoft title called Spellbound. Ooh, anticipation. Not a lot to go on here, but we really hope that it's true. Sounds really cool. Personally, for me, the kind of Attack on Titan style ringed cities type of design uh, sounds very interesting to me. And I'm really interested to see what they do inside that city. It sounds like it will be one giant, massive, dense dungeon uh, with kind of a sprawling outside area as well. They'll perhaps be good for hunting larger monsters. Yeah, it'll be overground and underground like Elden Ring, I think, just done on a larger scale. I think that's the sort of vibe that will go with. A FromSoft game that focuses primarily on spellcasting, in my opinion, that's probably one one of the weaker aspects of the Dark Souls Elden Ring series, so I'd really like to see what they get up to when they actually really put their weight behind purely that. Maybe we'll get some more news about Spellbound in 2024. From there, we move into June, and uh, following news earlier in the year of E3 2023 being cancelled, the Summer Games Fest took place with a live audience for the first time ever. Given that it has recently been confirmed that E3 is no more, this represents a large audience shift for one of the world's biggest gaming events. Sort of taking the summer mantle of things to look forward to from E3. Yes, this is a, a quite a big change up there, and uh, it gives us something new to look forward to, I suppose, each year. But also, perhaps slightly sad that uh, E3 has been cancelled. Uh, but it also kind of pushes the point that there only really needs to be one of these types of events, especially alongside all of the console directs and live events and exclusives and things like that as well. And June was also the month that Diablo 4 released. One that I picked up pretty much on release because others were playing it and I wanted to get involved. And I had a great time with it until I finished the story, but then I fell off dramatically. And that kind of feels like how the hype has been for it. Starting really high, but then it sort of fell off quite dramatically. Yeah, I would agree with you. I know we both had a lot of positive things to say about the game early on. And uh, I'll be totally honest because I haven't played perhaps as much as you. I don't really have uh, as many sort of negative points about the game built up either. I'm still very much kind of in the in the process of enjoying the game. What I will admit is I haven't touched it for a very long time. And I don't think I actually got even to the halfway point in the storyline. What I did play, I enjoyed but I'll acknowledge uh, some of the negative feedback as well, particularly around the end game stuff. Yeah, the end game just didn't really have enough to keep me in. Um, admittedly, other games were coming out, so I kind of moved on, but I just then forgot about it. And I didn't have too many issues with performance. There was some pretty bad lag around cities and built up areas, as we mentioned in previous episodes last year. And there was the odd time where, you know, it was taking minutes to get into the game. Yeah, that's see, that that's the big problem there, is that when server maintenance goes down and you can no longer play a game that you're primarily 
primarily experiencing as a single player style of game uh yeah that's a big problem there that said i'll be interested to dip into it at some point just to see if those issues around the lag particularly when you go into towns and hub worlds whether that any of that's actually been resolved because that was one of the big put-offs for me was that i enjoyed the game whilst i was soloing in a dungeon really didn't enjoy the game so much when i was constantly being dragged around the map because of all the lag i honestly can't see myself going back to diablo 4 anytime soon i had my run with it and i really enjoyed the story i enjoyed the final bits and whatever but then just i i don't feel the need to go back to it until i've forgotten the story i guess and then i might re- replay it then <laughs> or maybe uh they release a particularly sought after new character as one of the seasons i don't know i'd be quite keen to go back and play the game as the witch doctor that would be cool but i honestly don't know if that would be enough to tempt me back in only time will tell Moving from a game that I was hyped for and then it sort of disappointed me a little bit, we move into July and the notable thing for me at least in July was that this was when Remnant 2 came out. And this was a game that I was hyped for, thoroughly enjoyed and still have high praise for. I really enjoyed Remnant 2. Even though I only played it solo, because it is kind of a co-op game. Yes, I would say so. It definitely has a lot of its strengths in the fact that you can also play this with a body as well. But this solo experience in this was great. Um, I really enjoyed the new classes they added, the new powers, the sort of class combos that you can do as well. Found it really interesting. The story was great. The final boss was really tough. Um, but once you get the knack for it, it was just so satisfying to do. I had nothing but good things to say about this game. The only criticism I might have is that once again, the end game didn't keep me around. I did start New Game Plus. I guess I moved on to other games. There's some like big hitters coming up in the next couple of months. That kept you busy for the remainder of the year, pretty much. But uh, yeah, Remnant 2. I know it was one you were interested in potentially picking up. Um, is that still the case at some point when the price is right? 100% it is, yeah. I think that this is one that I would like to pick up on a sale. Uh, I'd certainly like to start a playthrough with you on. And I can definitely see myself uh, picking up and playing this one in the future. If you liked the first Remnant, anyone out there, like Remnant 2, do yourself a favour. It's It improves on it in every way. It's great. So after all that fun in July, we move into August, with Mario's original voice actor, Charles Martinet, retiring from his role after almost three decades, 27 years. Three decades, god damn. And he really did put in the work. He was the voice of Mario all the way back since uh, Mario 64. Such a recognisable voice one of the world's most recognisable video game characters. You know, in a lot of ways, this is a sad loss uh, for the video game world, but it was absolutely time, I think, for uh, someone else to take up the mantle. And he's still going to be a Nintendo ambassador, so still expect to see him out and about meeting his fans and probably still doing impressions of the voice for you. No doubt. Although I wouldn't put it past Nintendo to kind of like make him sign a contract where he's no longer allowed to do the Mario voice. (laughs) No Mario voices for you. (laughs) Oh, no! But August was also a big month for games. We actually had the release of your favourite game of the year, by my estimation, and the game of the year for 2023. (laughs) My game of the year and the official game of the year. Damn. August was a good month. Exactly. We're, of course, talking about Baldur's Gate 3 and Armoured Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. I can speak to Baldur's Gate 3. I still haven't finished it because it's a very, very big game that I want to take my time with. Fantastic, though. Rightly won game of the year. Engaging storyline, great mechanics, good fun time. Looking forward to seeing how the rest of it pans out. And Armored Core 6 I haven't played, but... uh... Yes, I've certainly waxed lyrical uh, enough on the podcast about this game, even going as far as to say it was a perfect game. On three separate occasions. (laughs) Really driving that point home. Honestly, if you haven't gone out and played Armored Core 6 already... 
get yourself a copy. It's a fantastic game. You will not be disappointed. I, I was really hoping it was at least a little bit reduced in the Steam sale. You've paid a lot more for a lot worse. <laughs> I have, but I don't want to... I don't I don't know. Something. Uh, even though it's from Soft, I'm reluctant to spend 50 quid on it or whatever it is. I don't know why. It's weird. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, no. just, I, wanted, it, I wanted it to be like... Ten pound off. Is it just that the kind of the mech genre doesn't speak to yeah. you as much as the fantasy genre? That's literally all it is. Uh, yeah, it's understandable, and I think that honestly, that had a lot to do with uh, why this game wasn't as successful uh, following the huge success of Elden Ring. You would think that on the back of Elden Ring, there would be like a whole renewed, rejuvenated interest into any FromSoft game that they release next. It clearly didn't happen uh, with Armored Core Six, rightly or wrongly. Um, but all I can say is from my own personal experience absolutely fantastic game so august a very very strong month for games strong indeed surely we can't top august well i was about to say rivaled only by what is in my opinion the best month of gaming we had in 2023 september i adored september for two reasons (laughs) starfield and lies of p two very good reasons to adore september yeah we also saw uh, cyberpunk phantom liberty released in september um, Will, you can probably speak a little bit more to that. I don't know if you got to Phantom Liberty, but you've actually played Cyberpunk. I can't really add too much in terms of Phantom Liberty updates. What I can say is that this was the sort of month where I actually caved and finally bought Cyberpunk all that time after its release, mostly due to the Cyberpunk 2.0 update, which in my mind uh, appeared to fix a lot of the issues that I had initially with the game. And by all means, was largely kind of like an overhaul of a lot of the mechanics. More like the game you were expecting on release. Um, Starfield at the start of September. I was obsessed with Starfield for about a week, I think it's fair to say. (laughs) I think a lot of people were, for good and negative reasons. There was a lot of hate um, being shot around for Starfield. There was also a lot of love uh, being shot around for Starfield. However, it did seem to quickly tail off, especially when you compare it to something like Skyrim, which people are still talking about all these years later. Yeah, I mean, with my experience with Starfield, I adored it while I was playing it. Like, I did all the missions I could find. I'm sure I didn't do absolutely everything. Got to the end, had the reveal, and uh, for reasons that I won't mention, I just put it down, and I haven't had any urge to pick it up again since. But Starfield, for for that week, 10 days, beautiful game, loved it. Even though it did have some quirks, some Bethesda bugs, including but not limited to one of the NPCs losing his clothes in my game, just walking around in his underwear for a bit. They came back eventually. I think in the scale of things, in terms of those bugs, um, despite what a lot of people say about this game, this was probably the most polished Bethesda game that I can really think of in terms of day one release. Yep, I would agree with that. I played it as it released, early in fact, because I bought the premium edition. And uh, yeah, I did encounter bugs, but only one of them kind of broke my game (laughs) and I managed to fix it. Yeah, I I was about to say, I hasten to add, I am not saying that this was a polished game. I am saying this is more polished than Skyrim and Fallout 4. If you kind of, you go into uh, a massive open world Bethesda RPG, be prepared for your first save file to be a dud. Um, You're probably going to lock yourself in a room and not be able to get out. We've come to accept this. It was the case in Skyrim. It was the case in Fallout uh, 4, that is. And uh, yes, that I don't see any signs of that stopping. I would be very surprised if we don't have very similar issues uh, in the upcoming Elder Scrolls title as well. Following Starfield, we actually had a game that exceeded my expectations, even though my expectations were high for it. Lies of P. I've uh, spoken very highly of this game basically since it got released. This was my game of the year, probably. It's a fantastic game. I've 
completed it three times, one in New Game Plus. This game is just, in my opinion, a masterpiece. It's not quite perfect. There was still a little bit of jank that I think had some charm, but this game is fantastic. If you like Souls-like, if you like Bloodborne, get this, get yourself this game, give it a go. It's fantastic. Don't think it got quite the love it deserved in the Game of the Year awards. Uh, I was disappointed it didn't win anything, but uh, still my game of the year for what that means. <laughs> I got to say, uh, I'm actually, you know, given that uh, I think this was a game I initially mentioned to you um, quite early on in the uh, lifespan of this podcast. Uh, I am very surprised that I still haven't got around to playing this game. Um, probably quite disappointingly, actually, that I, I still haven't got around to. It's just the fact that it has kind of been lost in a sea of other games this year. Um, as we said right at the off of the podcast, this has been quite a strong year for games. Hell of a lot of good ones have released and it's just been lost in the pile a little bit yeah especially coming out just after Baldur's Gate 3 and Armored Core and amongst Starfield I mean talk about competition for the time there right yes absolutely so could we have possibly another month that's even better than those two uh no we don't really perhaps not October was fine and it did produce probably in terms of awards won the most sort of highly decorated game of the game of the year awards yeah I would say so they it, yeah the games released this month they did uh do quite well at the game awards what I would probably argue is what uh October's month lacked in terms of quality of some of the games releasing earlier in the year certainly made up for in terms of quantity quite a few titles releasing this month uh Lords of the fallen which uh they still haven't finished well i say that i think they've released the last uh, roadmap thing so maybe it's finished now what's certain is you haven't finished it in fact it sounds like you've played maybe the first half an hour of the game i played a bit more than that i've put like seven or eight hours in all right okay okay but then i they just had this roadmap of just being like yeah we're just gonna do this content this guy's just like i'm just gonna play it when you've added all the content like uh we also had marvel spider-man 2 which by all accounts great game as well nominated for game of the year so must be doing something right uh, we had uh, the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1. Something that I was very excited to get my hands on. Finally, the ability to play Hideo Kojima's Metal Gear Solid series on the PC. Uh, something that was sorely lacking from my Steam library. Have you got it now? No, but I got it on the Switch. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will get it on, uh, on yeah. the PC. Still severely lacking <laughs> in my Steam library. <laughs> But I, I definitely will be picking it up. Uh, I'll be really enjoying the fact that I'll be able to modify the game. And uh, for those that don't know, Metal Gear Solid is one of my most long-standing, biggest favourite game series out there. I dip back into these titles once or twice a year, usually kind of completing them in a bit of a spree. And uh, I plan to do just that as soon as I do pick this up for my Steam library. And I'm sure you will. And the final game we've got in October was uh, the one, the aforementioned probably most popular game of the Game Awards, uh, Alan Wake 2. Yes. Winning a whole host of awards for its writing and directorship. Art design, I believe. And it was also nominated for the, the big one as well, missing out to Baldur's Gate 3. So another strong month, but for me personally, not as hype as the, as the previous two. August and September were just ridiculous i can certainly agree with that absolutely but it wasn't just games we had this month we also had a bit of news a bit of news this is arguably arguably one of the biggest news titles of this year given the duration that we've been covering this ongoing saga following the initial story around microsoft plans to acquire activision blizzard in january 2022 on the 13th of October 2023, news finally broke that the long-standing battle was over and Microsoft finalised the deal. Yay! 
if anything, um, that just meant that we no longer had a kind of a news article to revert to whenever it was a slow news week. There was always something we could dig out about the Actablis acquisition. Uh, that news has well and truly been folded away now. Exactly. It, it took so long you kind of just forget that it was actually such big news because it just became part of the furniture, part of the zeitgeist. It really did. I mean, January 2022, this has been like before the conception of our podcast even, and it's certainly been something, it's definitely one of our long-standing coverage articles. Because it kept on taking so much time, so many twists and turns, but they finally got there. The Federal Trade Commission got involved in the States. The Competition and Markets Authority from the UK got involved. Jim Ryan was screaming from the rooftops that Xbox was planning on taking over the world. It took such a big toll on Jim Ryan, he retired. Ended up retiring. (laughs) He's not actually retired yet, I think that's coming uh, early in 2024, but he certainly announced his plan to retire uh, around the time that it got confirmed that the deal was pushing through. I think, yeah, I think it wasn't long after at all. Quite literally the uh, the last nail in the coffin there. So big, big news. Uh, capping off what was uh, a big quarter, really. Q3, pretty strong. Uh, moving into November, though, and uh, things take a bit of a downward turn from <laughs> such wonders in the previous three months. As the year starts to wind down, so does the quality of the games. Uh, well, at least at least for November, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll start with the positive. November has obviously bought us the Game Awards, uh, with Baldur's Gate winning basically everything. Yes, Baldur's Gate 3 actually did do really well at the Game Awards. Perhaps not in terms of all the categories that we covered on the podcast, but when you look at the grand scheme of all the categories, Baldur's Gate 3 walked away with like a third of those awards or more. (laughs) Crazy. Congratulations to Larian Studios. Oh yeah, 100%. Massive congratulations to Larian. Really, really strong title. In stark contrast to the games that were actually released in November, as Will mentioned earlier, we had uh, a game that you actually talked about briefly on the pod just now uh, the walking dead destinies painful to watch even on a let's play on youtube it's still painful to watch i haven't seen any of this one so i'll have to take your word for it but uh it doesn't sound good very very shaky release and for fans of the walking dead series you're probably better off steering clear of this one i don't think there's much in there for you strong words there uh and equally strong words were had about the other game that released in uh, november that's notable call of duty modern warfare 3 oh that one still stings a bit i really wanted to be positive about this one i really wanted to like this one very difficult to do so given the quality of the game as well as the state that it released in the reuse of assets the fucking poor quality poor writing somehow neutering a main character like geez the list goes on even christopher judge weighed in at the game awards just to pan how short the call of duty modern warfare 3 campaign was but fun fact my speech was actually longer than this year's Call of Duty campaign. What? Yeah, I watched that clip and he came out of nowhere. There was no need <laughs> yeah, for it. He just like he completely destroyed them. You really don't see shade thrown like that within the games industry. And uh, I know a lot of uh, uh, people who produced Call of Duty were initially actually clearly quite butthurt about those comments. Although they did try and walk back their retaliation a little while later, I guess, because it became very clear that they were clearly kind of sour grapes from the fact that he was stating the truth. Perhaps a, a slightly exaggerated version of the truth. <laughs> I think that his speech was only about eight minutes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It takes at least 15 to finish the campaign. Exactly. Ugh, yeah. From there, we moved into the final month of 2023, December. And really, the biggest thing to happen in December was uh, the release of the first Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer after it had been announced in very late November that they were going to do so. 
and uh, the first trailer dropped, showing off flashy environments and graphics, butt jiggle physics, and our first glimpse at one of the main protagonists, Lydia. Looks like it's going to be fucking awesome. I still go back to that trailer now and notice small details that I hadn't quite noticed before. I know that it's, it's very easy to get lost in the jiggling butts, uh, but uh, actually you go back and look at that trailer and there is so many minute details. Very easy to watch a 20 minute YouTube breakdown video for that less than two minute long trailer. And with that big news, uh, we had a sort of mixed bag in terms of games for December. We had the release of Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. We had the release of The Finals, which was actually announced at the Game Awards and was one that Will here was very interested in playing and has played since and had very good things to say about. I do indeed, actually, yeah. That's a game that uh, I've played quite a bit since. Uh, really enjoying the kind of fast-paced frantic action mixed with the strategy gameplay of having varying classes with various amounts of health different attributes and equipment that they're able to use uh finding that one absolutely fills the void uh that call of duty modern warfare 3 left for me and has given me a competitive online first person shooter once again to play and from there we come to uh not quite so good game didn't really last very long uh the day before this was a very controversial game even before it actually released with a lot of people claiming that assets in the game were clearly flipped from more popular game franchises uh very much a story of copied homework on this one slightly changed around a bit even the logo for the day before strongly strongly resembled the logo for the last of us but they were using camera angles marketing techniques aspects of the trailer that was all meant to clearly be selling this story that hey you guys remember last of us remember division we've kind of jumbled all of those games together and made the well what they were hoping was going to be the next biggest mmo online rpg type game certainly wasn't the case though because after four days on steam i think it was it very quickly got delisted a statement came out from the studio fantastic uh saying that they were effectively closing down due to the financial failure of the game not good at all but uh probably wasn't going to do that well after the sort of negative press it got for potentially being a rip-off of all these games reusing assets and all that it then releases to not a lot of fanfare a very buggy state um in terms of some of the glitches in the game just looking overall really poor thrown together and uh, also met with a lot of criticisms that the game wasn't really actually properly in development until it started to become heavily wishlisted on steam and then they very quickly cobbled together a game uh that clearly didn't meet the expectations of players and as a result, is no more. <laughs> and that brought us to the end of 2023. And at risk of perhaps ending our coverage of 2023 on a bit of a low note, something would be amiss if we didn't mention some of the tough times throughout the year for those working within the games industry. So in June, Pokemon Go creators Niantic closed their Los Angeles studio, affecting roughly 230 employees. Later in August, Bioware, who were responsible for Mass Effect and Dragon Age, amongst other titles, laid off around 50 employees. In September, Volition, the developer behind series such as Descent, Red Faction and Saints Row, and announced that it had been shut down by Embracer Group. Also in September, Epic Games announced they were cutting around 16% of their staff, which affected nearly 830 employees across the company. Then, the Sega-owned Creative Assembly studio also confirmed redundancies taking place across their company. In December, back to Embracer, they then went on to confirm around another 50 employees would be laid off from Chorus developer Fish Labs. 
And this news was shortly followed by more sad news that the developer PlayOn also confirmed the closure of Free Radical Studios, of course makers of the Time Splitters series. Before moving on to the games we're looking forward to in 2024, we here at Total Pod Mode wanted to give a respectful nod to those employees who went through and perhaps are still working through a very difficult time in the games industry. As massive fans of gaming as a whole, we're really sorry to hear of this troubling news and wish them all the best in their future endeavours. With that said, it's time to review the upcoming events we're looking forward to in 2024. And uh, coming in hot in January, we've got a couple of things that I'm certainly looking forward to. Allegedly, at least. (laughs) Yeah, still allegedly. I still can't quite believe this game is real. Even though it's been listed for ages now and there's screenshots and I still don't believe it. I mean, we've just uh, covered a game where they had a lot of uh, this kind of untangible evidence of a game in development uh, that ended up getting absolutely panned. I haven't quite written off the fact that uh, this might not happen again with this title. We are, of course, talking about Pal World, a game that we've spoken about a few times now on the podcast. One that I'm very much looking forward to. Early access in January, so uh, let's find out. I think that we mentioned this again. This was another title that we mentioned very early on in the lifespan of the podcast. And it's another one like Liza P that you brought to my attention. But we also have something a little bit more tangible in January as well. Uh, Tekken 8 coming out on January 26th. Something to look forward to. Fighting game fans across the world clamoring for this bad boy. Everything that I've seen of this game so far definitely shows uh, that it's going to be really well received. And I'm personally looking forward to putting my hands on this at some point in the year of 2024. You're going to day one it? Probably not. I think typically I don't tend to go out on a super limb for fighting games. They're not kind of like my primary genre by any means. However, I think that once enough friends pick this game up or even just a couple of friends uh pick this game up i can definitely see myself jumping on the bandwagon yeah so that's the early part of 2024 there are of course other games coming throughout the year uh, i for one and as i know will is too i'm looking forward to black myth wukong due to come out in around august time absolutely i'm really looking forward to getting my hands on this one the art style uh what i assume are the enemies in the game the design of them look really interesting uh the visuals of this title really appeal to me and i've got a pretty strong feeling that this is going to be somewhat similar to wolong uh somewhat similar to sekiro um a lot of games out there that I would compare this to, at least from seeing some of the footage that we've seen so far, this one is really one to watch. Yes, it looks like it's right up my street and I can't wait to play it. Other potential things that may be coming out in 2024, we'd hope that we'd be coming out in 2024, uh, the aforementioned Shadow of the Erdtree DLC for Elden Ring. Really hope that comes out in 2024. <laughs> they can't not release it in, in 2024. I would be amazed if it didn't. They would have to come out with a very solid reason uh, why we have still yet to see this DLC. This has to be by far from the release of a FromSoft title all the way to the DLC, the longest time we've ever waited for additional content, especially considering this is by far their most popular title as well. Yeah, certainly on that on that count, I agree. You'd think that they'd want to strike while the iron's hot, but at the same time as we mentioned when we previously covered it it's such a big franchise you don't want to get it wrong so i hope they're taking their time with it i trust them to release it in a pretty much perfect state and uh i look forward to playing it when it does finally come out uh same for me with greedfall 2 I'm hoping that makes an appearance in 2024. This is a bit of an interesting one because to my knowledge, Spiders isn't really in the business of sequels. They tend to work on new IPs for the most part, and I don't know that I'm aware that they have done a sequel to any of their original IPs. Kind of. (laughs) So the Technomancer is kind of 
a sequel to Mars Warlogs. In the sense of it's the same universe, and I think it's happening alongside the events of Mars Warlogs. Yes, that's right. Yes, but never a direct sequel though. So perhaps this marks no, but a bit of a shift. Two is not a direct. It's not a direct sequel either. It's a prequel. Oh right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. So they are kind of staying on brand. Kind of. It's the first time they they've had a two. <laughs> that's something. Yeah. Yeah. They're reversed to numbered sequels, prequels. Um, I really enjoyed Greedful 1. I love spiders, as I've mentioned many, many, many times across the podcast. And uh, I can't wait for this one to come out. I I don't know if it's been given a date yet of 2024. So speculation as to whether that'll actually happen. I just hope that um, they take their time with it and release it in a decent state, which they have done for the last couple of those that I've played. So uh, a couple of the games that I'm looking forward to coming up in 2024. The first one I'd like to mention is Earth Defense Force 6. I've actually recently picked up Earth Defense Force 5 uh, and had a great time with that. The games don't particularly change uh, from game to game, although I would say that Earth Defense Force 5 was perhaps a tiny bit more story driven. However, I think the main noticeable thing is that they keep all of the charm from the original games and just add in additional features. Some of them, arguably, um, should have been in the game a long time ago, like visible damage to the enemies and things like that. But pretty much every iteration of this game is an improvement on a very fun game, especially when you're playing it with friends as well. So uh, good things to say about Earth Defense Force series as a whole. It's got a ton of jank to it. Most of that jank I find very charming, and a lot of the issues with the game are more than happy to overlook just for the freedom and scope of abilities that you got to play as all the characters, the destructible environments, the massive amount of enemies on the screen at once, the massive variation of enemies to fight. Uh, All in all, very, very solid titles. And with that said, I can't wait for the next iteration. And uh, the other title that I'll mention that I'm particularly looking forward to is the Silent Hill 2 remake. I just have my fingers crossed that they handle this one well and that it performs well on PC. Yes, another one of your long-standing favourite franchises, this. Yeah, it's one of the big three. Another one that you've been looking forward to and I really hope for your sake that uh, they do it justice. I'm sure they will. We gotta hope. I mean, it's it's Konami and it's Bloober team. So Bloober typically do handle remakes very well. Uh, Konami typically don't give a shit about any of their best IPs. So... Interesting one to see there. There's a 50-50 on that, whether it's going to be good or not. And from there, we come to a game that I think we're both looking forward to that is uh, slated for release in 2024, Phantom Blade Zero. Yes, so this is another one in a similar vein to the rising popularity of kind of Sekiro, slashy, counter-heavy uh sword art style games games. yeah (laughs) kind of yeah combat rhythm games is a good way of putting it another one in that vein looks very very cool from the limited footage i've seen of it (laughs) yes yeah we have only just seen a cinematic trailer at this point no gameplay as of yet i don't think yes so did this first get um shown at the summer games first i believe it did yeah or was it slightly before that it was around that time and uh it just looks so f***ing cool. The combat looks great. The story and art style is right up my street. Or at least it looks like it's going to be right up my street in terms of the story. Do you know, it wasn't the Summer Games... Sorry to interrupt. It wasn't the Summer That's Games it. Fest, but it was at the PlayStation Direct that happened right around that time. Looks amazing. My only concern is that it might be a PlayStation console exclusive. I really hope it makes its way to PC. we just got to keep our fingers crossed on that one. I suppose the blow gets softened, provided that Black Myth Wukong is really good. <laughs> then I can kind of, like, chill. Um... You know, if, if, if we were just waiting for Phantom Blade Zero, I'd be quite 
preoccupied by the fact that this is only or appears to only be a playstation 5 release um it sounds like we'll have plenty of other things to take our attention away from that if it does end up being a playstation 5 exclusive black myth wukong is probably the one i'm most looking forward to of all the ones we've mentioned outside of shadow of the air tree i think i would agree with you yes yeah so lots of things there to look forward to in 2024 2023 was a good one let's hope that 2024 can be just as good if not better i think so i've got high hopes for 2024 and uh with the games that we've just discussed there i see no reason why it shouldn't be and with that we come to the end of our coverage of 2023 and 2024 but we still have one thing to review for this year that's right everyone we're about to review the a games challenge so we had uh, season two if you like of the games challenge what a games challenge season it was james and it showed an evolution in the style and format of what we were doing in season one which we're going to call it now we're just we're seasoning it's, it. it's officially been dubbed in season one it kind of it was a longer format and we typically focused more on completion challenges because i think the initial goal of it was to get each other to play games that we wanted each other to play that the other hadn't played yet <laughs> That was, it definitely had a hand in the conception of the idea. Whilst putting it into a sort of competitive format. Whereas this season, it became more about creating creative challenges, potentially in games that we've already played. But if we can still get each other to play a new game, then great. Let's be honest, James, we were holding each other back. Uh, With these completionist challenges, they're mere mortal challenges uh, we demanded something a lot more harder something that could really show our flair in games and uh, our talents for goddamn winning well i mean that kind of diminishes my championship in season one a little bit think, <laughs> we could no longer be contained by the constraints of a completion challenge we needed to branch out and set new more difficult challenges make it a bit more interesting add some strategy potentially in there instead of just having the time and potentially having the grit to go through it and uh, we decided to do it in a slightly shorter format as well to make it a bit more exciting hopefully keep the scores a little level instead of having one run away or something like that and so we we started in september with my champion's advantage i decided to go first and will set me the challenge of playing some vampire survivors specifically getting a character to level 600 and more keeping the kill count less than 300 and with my little brain at the time having not played enough Vampire Survivors to really know what was going on, I thought that was pretty impossible. Uh, but I was able to eventually learn my craft, get through it, and by just banging my head against a brick wall and just playing the game, which is probably what you wanted me to do anyway, I was able to work out the gimmick of uh, using uh, Osolami, or the dog character, um, with his plant attack in the special um, Il Malise level to make plants grow instead of killing enemies to level up and thus leveling up. And I was able to take a 1-0 lead with a win. And if you want to get more into the meat of that challenge, you can go back and check that out on episode 56 of the podcast. My thoughts and uh, opinions at the time are all over there. (laughs) Frustrations. (laughs) Yeah, suffice to say, this one took me a long time. Although I wasn't able to look anything up, to be fair, so I I did have to do everything blind. So with James taking an early lead, 1-0, it was up to me in episode 57 to take on his challenge set to me, which was to play Dark Souls, defeating the Asylum Demon and the Taurus Demon using no items, weapons, or equipment, except the Estus Flask, which is, uh, of course, the healing item in the game. Which I nearly didn't allow, but then I thought that was a bit harsh, specifically because of the mobs in Boss 2. Yes, I would say so, yeah, I think so. 
this was a new challenge to me in Dark Souls. Never had I ever taken on uh, what is pretty much universally agreed as one of the harder games out there. Uh, the thought of taking on those bosses without any equipment, weapons, or items was a new and interesting challenge for me. Interestingly, uh, this was also a challenge that I kind of had in store for James, uh, which obviously quickly had to get retconned and changed <laughs> in terms of the challenges that I had in store, uh, given that I didn't think that it was very fair to just set James a very similar <laughs> challenge later down the line. We'll just say great minds think alike. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Or fools seldom differ, whichever one you want. <laughs> So, uh, with a lot of perseverance, I did manage to drag myself through this challenge and bring the score even to 1-1. Yes, which left me needing to take the lead again in episode 58, with Will setting me the challenge uh, of playing some Minecraft and obtaining a piece of equipment for each of my four slots without using crafting and without mining anything. Basically, only trading and hunting. They were my only options, pretty much. And uh, this became just a bit of a, uh, a treasure hunt. It was relatively stressful in the sense that finding stuff or like the pressure of finding stuff was like, oh, I really want to get this. And I really, and, you know, and then you get excited and then your hopes get dashed because you don't find anything. But it was quite a relaxing challenge overall. And uh, I was able to bring it back to 2-1. So I would say with this challenge, you took a very interesting approach uh, to this. And uh, if listeners want to go back to that episode and check it out, I would wholly encourage it. Episode 59, it was now my turn to hopefully draw things level again. James's challenge to me was to play Monster Hunter Rise, completing six arena quests, with at least three of them earning myself an S rank. A nice fair challenge. <laughs> well, not too time consuming. A, a fair challenge, not, not too, no, 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 yeah, a very straightforward challenge. Uh, of course, if you don't understand, uh, by the way, we're describing this, that is, of course, sarcasm. This was probably one of the most challenging uh, ones that I had to go at this year. Uh, but not for, re- for the challenge, though. Not for the challenge, for reasons outside of the challenge. And uh, if you'd like to pull back the curtain on why that was, then go back and check out episode 59. But what I will say, with all of that behind us, is that I was finally able to bring us even on 2-2 after winning this challenge. Which left it all for me to do again with my next challenge, which was to complete dead space on hard mode using only the plasma cutter and no stasis or telekinesis powers allowed during combat. Puzzles were fine. This isn't the original challenge that Will intended me to do. The original challenge was to do exactly the same things, but on the impossible mode difficulty. Indeed. And the challenge had to actually be amended because we later found out that uh, you had to have completed the game on hard to unlock the impossible mode. That wasn't actually the main barrier to this one because it is possible to download a completed save file and unlock impossible mode. The issue with impossible mode is that technically you only have one life to get through the game to do that, and if you fail the game, you revert back to the same save point but on hard mode. And we figured that it just wasn't feasible for James uh, on a first attempt at playing Dead Space to beat it in one attempt, essentially, without dying. There was just no way especially playing it on already what's agreed as the hardest mode of the game. Uh, yes, we had to roll that one back, sadly. Perhaps for me. Well, and sadly, in terms of the result, because I did actually manage to win, It was the challenge was good, like the, in terms of the scope of the challenge. I didn't particularly enjoy it that much because I didn't enjoy the game that much. It was fine. It's just not my bag. Well, it's as simple as that. But I was able to do it. The, having those powers would be very useful, especially stasis. That would have been very handy in a lot of situations. And I think if you were to play impossible mode, you'd also realise the value of telekinesis as well, because the game actively does not give you enough ammunition to take out all of the enemies. So telekinesis becomes much more useful in an offensive sense as well. 
So with the score at 3-2, we moved on to episode 61, my turn for the challenge again, and James set me a challenge to actually go back and play one of my oldest and most favourite games with a twist. The twist, of course, being that I needed to complete Resident Evil 1 Remake using a knife only. And this is actually one that if uh, viewers are interested or inclined, they can actually go on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash total pop mode and check out the whole of the run there. And I'm pleased to say that I was able to successfully complete the knife only run, bringing the score even to 3-3. Putting it back in my hands with my challenge next week and the first sort of iteration, if you like, of what would become a one-on-one -on -one challenge that we'd see once more in this series. In all honesty, I was just getting uncomfortable about the rate that James was completing my challenges, and after being a little butthurt that I had to soften my challenge on Dead Space, I thought I really want to take the reins <laughs> in this challenge and give him a run for his money. Yes, and uh, it wasn't really a run for my money in the end, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, the challenge was to defeat Will's me character in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate in a best-of-three match, and um, fate conspired against me a little bit with the week I had. I basically played none of this game before playing Will, and after a very competitive first set, Will was able to beat me quite convincingly in the second set to not get a point himself but prevent me from gaining my point meaning the score stayed at three all so we move on to episode 63 with the score even james's challenge to me that week was to collect two shiny pokemon in pokemon legends arceus now another sneak peek behind the curtains here this challenge was the second challenge in the series that we actually had to mitigate and taper down quite considerably the initial challenge set to me by james was actually to collect five shiny pokemon in pokemon legends arceus now uh the reason why you actually moved down to two uh this was after quite a quite a, a long conversation that james and i had where we discussed probability the likelihoods of capturing these pokemon and also following what i think was roughly a 10 hour 8 to 10 hour session of me playing pokemon legends arceus and actually making no progress towards capturing a shiny i phoned james up the next day and said james i've done the math and also i've spent eight to ten hours on it already and i've got nothing i just don't think i can do this uh and this is actually kind of the birth of the bullshit clause that i don't think we mentioned until later on in the episodes i don't even know if we mentioned it to be perfectly honest we didn't uh, no we don't think we, we we spoke about it outside of the podcast however it wasn't officially referenced on the podcast at the time we just proceeded with a collect two shiny pokemon challenge however uh, we do now have a, a rule in place uh, following this challenge that could have perhaps been instated uh as part of last year's games challenge for a couple of the challenges notably ones that i said james the bullshit clause uh typically encompassing that if the challenge is just too hard or impossible to do for whatever reason uh then the player is still able to get that point without having the disadvantage of essentially either being set an impossible or near impossible challenge to complete that's not strictly what the rule was though it wasn't just that it has to be done within a set time period as well you can't just come to the next episode and say oh the challenge was impossible yeah yeah exactly yeah. you have to give the person enough sort of notice to potentially change the challenge which is what we were able to do in this one because will acted swiftly very important that because we can't just have it like you can't just chuck it in, <laughs> no. in an episode and be like yeah bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and this was actually a challenge that I entered with quite a lot of trepidation. I was very doubtful that I was going to be able to achieve the five. And uh, thankfully, James very generously moved the count down to two. And because of that, at the last moment almost, I was actually able to succeed in this challenge. Yes. And uh, I actually test ran a little bit of this alongside, as I mentioned, in episode 63. Um, and uh, I was right to do so, it turns out. Even though I got very lucky and found a shiny very quickly. Um 
I didn't. I only got. I only got the one. Honestly, I've got like a weird guilt about this challenge because like part of me feels like two was too low, but then reinforced by the amount of time that it actually took me to get the two. I don't know whether the guilt is necessarily founded uh, in this case, but uh, yeah, it was an odd one because it felt like such a drastic reduction uh, to do from five to two. But it was the right reduction to do. Yeah, I, I think so. Given the fact that I, I still felt it still felt like I completed this challenge by the skin of my teeth, which put Will four three up. For the first time, I took the lead. The first time Will took the lead, um, my advantage was gone. And uh, the next week, I had the challenge of beating one Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 DMZ Halloween boss solo or three bosses with friends. And I had that challenge to do to get me back into it. And uh, unfortunately, fate once again conspired against me. I had an eye infection that week, so for whatever reason, couldn't stare at the screen for particularly long. So I got not even an attempt at any bosses. I got like three runs that whole week and was unable to do anything. Bit of a shame, that. Yes, uh, yeah, that was another one. You were having a bit of a uh, kind of a, a losing streak there mostly due to sort of bad luck on your own part uh one busy week and then one being ill it's just it's that's just one of those things that happens uh with that said we move on to episode 65 where it was my job to beat the three remaining arena quests in monster hunter rise with an s rank and this was another pretty difficult challenge although for different reasons uh, i didn't have some of the issues that we had with uh the first monster hunter rise challenge um but the inherent issue of the fact that this was now to get an s rank in the free challenges that i had decided were too difficult for me to attempt to get an s rank in the initial attempt uh, at the arena quests a brilliant twist i thought that was that was my <laughs> motivation for it <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to say that uh, with enough perseverance, I was able to beat those three bosses with an S rank, bringing the score to 3-5. So at this point, with a two-point lead over James, it's a bit of a nail-biter now. I was biting my nails. I wanted to maintain the lead. <laughs> and if I remember, you were very, very uh, confident at this point. Yeah, with a two-point lead uh, and with my score at five, with a maximum of seven points each to gain, I was feeling pretty good about myself at this point, i got to say. That led us into episode 66 with uh, the challenge I got set by Will of beating the Skyrim main questline on adept difficulty without levelling up any skills. And I decided to add in that I would try not to even get a little speck of experience in any of my skills. Completely unrelated to the challenge itself. And I did actually not succeed with that because I had a smidgen sneak and a smidgen pickpocket that were unavoidable. But uh, was able to do this challenge, thankfully. Uh, it was lovely to be back in Skyrim, my favourite game of all time, uh, as things currently stand. And that brought me back to within a point, four or five. But will still having the advantage so we move on to episode 67 it was my job now to beat james in a round of match play in golf club 2019 so this was james's version of a versus challenge and a good versus challenge this was i chose to spend most of my preparation in the putting and the driving range for this challenge and uh was actually pretty summarily defeated by james we had a few close moments here and there uh, but for the most part this was a pretty clear win for james sort of similar to the smash bros ultimate challenge that i set him previously although i didn't have the excuse of not having any time to practice in there i, I did actually have plenty of time to practice but the better golfer came out on top in this one which meant that the score remained at 4-5. Yes, which left me with a lifeline. A lifeline that I could really cement with the challenge of 
beating Father Gascoigne and Cleric Beast in Bloodborne at blood level 4, which is the lowest level you can be, with no items, weapons or parrying. So a very similar challenge to the one that I'd set Will previously, but as Will already said, it's because he had to hastily rethink a very similar challenge in Dark Souls <laughs> yeah. 1 specifically. I kind of basically just copied your homework and put it into Bloodborne. Which is fair enough. And, and I made this challenge a lot harder for myself by being an idiot, basically. I forgot a core game mechanic for father gascoigne uh, and uh it wouldn't have helped me against cleric beast to be fair i think cleric beast would have gone the way it went either way but gascoigne's where i made the mistake to find out about what that was and how much of a f***ing idiot i am go check out episode 68 if you're a fan of watching someone spiral into a depression and suddenly start self-hating themselves episode 68 is a is a fantastic episode to listen to <laughs> yeah i'm still embarrassed about that a little bit. <laughs> But it didn't matter because I was ultimately able to persevere and uh, bring the score back to 5 all, Meaning that we get to the final week of the challenge and uh, Will is in a winner-take-all situation. So as we find ourselves rounding off episode 69, it was my job to, using a pre-existing save file, beat Sekiro Shadows Die twice while avoiding the Shura ending. Uh, just for context, the Shura ending is uh, essentially... Uh, a bit of a cheap win that you can get in Sekiro was actually one I, of the I challenges. I wouldn't call it a cheap win. I wouldn't call it a cheap win. No? Oh, it's just because it's so much shorter with so few It's bosses. so much shorter, but it's still hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, cheap it has its challenge. But uh, at the same time, I think that uh, it would have probably happened a lot quicker for me uh, than the actual playthrough that I did. And also, as it transpires, I'd actually passed the point where it was even possible to get the shorter Shura ending in the game, which did mean that I had to pursue one of the full game or semi-full game completion runs. And that I did. I am very pleased to say that after quite a bit of perseverance, I was finally able to complete Sekiro. And just as James intended for that challenge to be, it was one that I'd been meaning to do for a long time to complete Sekiro. Completing Sekiro, thankfully, also meant that I earned that final point that I needed to complete the games challenge for this year. The score ended on 6-5, and I was dubbed the games champion of 2023. So with that sort of summary out of the way, uh, we just thought we'd have a little look back about some of our favourites and least favourites. So I'll start with you, Will. What was probably your favourite challenge of the ones I set you? Um, so as I kind of briefly mentioned earlier, I think that the Resident Evil 1 knife-only challenge was my favourite challenge of this year, purely based on the fact that it is one of my favourite games on the list. Certainly one of the series that I've been stuck around and playing for the longest time and just an absolute joy to play it made me treat the game very differently i've certainly watched a lot of knife only runs myself prior to actually taking on this challenge but it was really cool to kind of prove to myself that i could finally do something quite masterful in these games uh without absolutely f***ing it up and having too much of a difficulty and uh as i mentioned previously the proof of it all is available on our youtube channel so if you'd like to check that out please go ahead what about you, James? Did you have a favourite challenge of this year? In hindsight, probably the Vampire Survivors one, although I didn't think so at the time. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. Just because it made me appreciate uh, that game more and that genre of games more. Yeah, a fair point. Um, the challenge itself was also well thought out. It was, a, it was a nice gimmick challenge. This was actually the first challenge that I ever devised uh, in the whole list of challenges uh, for this as well. It wasn't just the first one to be given, but also the first one I thought of that kind of kicked off this creative thinking in terms of devising more difficult challenges. The, the added uh, aspect of um, not being able to look things up added to the challenge in terms terms of me learning the game because I couldn't look up what does what um, but was necessary for the gimmick to work I think yes so yeah I'd say that was probably my favorite in hindsight although uh, at, at the time I, I enjoyed them or didn't enjoy them all in equal measure at various <laughs> points so at the time I can't really say but in hindsight 
that was my favorite that's interesting i was almost convinced that you were going to say that the skyrim uh challenge was going to be your favorite one uh, skyrim skyrim it's great <laughs> but, um i think that the vampire survivors is also a stronger challenge really that's interesting because i was i was going to say in in my opinion i was most proud of the skyrim main questline challenge actually just because i thought that that had so many different factors to it that you were being denied from using no shout outs to that one i loved being back in skyrim but uh, the vampire survivors one was where my jam was but um it's not all about favorites so they won't all have hit um what was your least favorite ones the ones i say i think i know the answer well uh so my least favorite game challenge and this is not even close <laughs> honestly uh was the pokemon legends arceus shiny hunt uh to capture the two pokemon and this wasn't anything to do with the fact that it initially started off as five and we ended up moving it down to two or anything like that it was just because this challenge was by far the most tedious of all of them um i complain a lot more about it uh within uh, episode 63 however i would say that the combination of repeated loading screens randomly grinding to get absolutely nowhere and not even getting any luck in terms of the uh random events that would happen that would increase your chances of getting a shiny it was all very frustrating and very boring no more shiny challenges please what about you man you've got to have a uh, least favorite of the seven challenges that you took part in this year uh well let's say six because right yeah yeah one was a bit of a write-off but uh it's hard to it's hard to say in terms of the time i had my least favorite was the bloodborne one (laughs) i can see why in terms of just how like bleak that was and how i've just like this is just not going to happen like there's no way i can do this you were depressed during the challenge and then you were depressed after the challenge for different reasons (laughs) exactly even though i won I was still, <laughs> yeah. there was no joy. It's I was a sour just, it victory. Was, it drained me. Um, <laughs> but that wasn't my least favourite challenge. I thought that was an excellent challenge. And if I'd known that strong attacks could be used without <laughs> weapons, or if I'd thought about it, because I knew, if yeah, I'd just thought yeah. about it, um, that would have been much easier for me. Um, I think my least favourite challenge was probably the Dead Space one, purely based on the fact that I, they're not my style of games. Sure thing. Yeah. That, that's the one I remember playing and being like, mm, I'd really rather not be doing this. And this was a challenge that you didn't even find too difficult, right? This was just down to the game. It took me eight hours, or just over eight hours or something like that. It wasn't too hard, but that's the one that I remember being the most bored in. The challenge was great. The challenge was excellent. I really enjoyed the challenge for what it was, but that's the one that I probably enjoyed the least fair enough yeah All fair outside comments. of bloodborne and being just fucking so down <laughs> so we will see a return uh to the games challenge at some point next year however as we kind of covered on a previous episode we're taking it back to completionist corner for the beginning of 2024 we certainly are and uh, we've decided to start off with mass effect 3 very much looking forward to the return the final chapter of the trilogy exactly jillian and julius gonna do their thing look forward to that in next week's episode So thank you all for your continued support throughout 2023 and we hope to uh, continue to entertain you throughout 2024 as well. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. All of the support we've received so far really does mean the world to us and we're looking forward to bringing you much more content in 2024. Yes, and if you have enjoyed what you listened to and like to continue to do so into 2024, you can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our play throughs stream highlights as well as the podcast on our youtube channel total pod mode you can also find us on x by searching for at total pod mode or one word or you can find me at hoodafunk on x and i'm also on twitch under twitch.tv forward slash hoodafunk and you can find me on x at mr bames and i'm also on twitch under twitch.tv forward slash mr bames underscore tpn 
So one more time, we wish you a very happy new year, everyone. Happy new year, guys. And until next week, take care. Goodbye. Bye now.